Welcome to the Ashes into Beauty podcast with your host, Stephanie Marie Laswell, Divorce Concierge at The Divorce Life. Hello, listeners. Thank you for tuning in. This is your host, Stephanie, and I am with my friend, Amy. Hi, Amy. Thanks for joining us today. Hi. Thank you, Stephanie. For, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Um, so let's just dive right in. So you have been through divorce before. I have. Um, kind of walk us through what that process was, like what were the ashes that came from the fallout of your marriage ending? Well, first of all, I guess I'd like to say I think I'm unique, although aren't we all unique? Uh, my divorce was from a man who had been my best friend since age 12. Oh, wow. uh, it happened after almost 20 years together. And when I found out, um, sorry, <laughs> that's awful. My divorce happened from a man that I had been in love with since age 12. Uh, we were best friends all through junior high and high school. And then we did what the next natural next step was, which was get married, had a couple of kids. And then nine years into our relationship, I uncovered that he was gay. Mm. So I like, like I said, I like to think I'm unique. Because I didn't marry a man who left me for another woman. There wasn't like a cheating aspect. It was a completely and totally different situation than I thought existed. And I truly thought I was the only one. Mm, yeah. Which I learned later was not true. But that was my perception at the time. Um, so my ashes looked like a 20-something woman with two kids who had never who had barely even kissed another boy, much less been intimate with another man in my life. And this man who left me, I didn't know if I was doing anything right. Mm. Uh, it had just been us two for so long. I didn't have my own identity. Mm -hmm. I'd been wrapped up with him since age 12. So I was left a very broken person who could not share his story because it wasn't mine to share. Yeah. Um, I was left a woman whose own mother asked me, Amy Michelle, were you cheating on him? Mm. Um, I was left very lost and very broken um, and wondering what life was really supposed to all be about. Yeah, yeah, I can totally see that. How did you find the courage and the strength to pull yourself together and find your identity? Like who is Amy separate from this person? Well, that was really hard because um, like I said, it had always just been us two. And then when our relationship ended, I was of course very focused on being a mother to our two young kids. Um, but also I was left very much searching for who I was, what my life meant Um during our relationship, I had put my own education on hold and, and kind of held myself back. Um, I, my very initial in, um, intention was to be a doctor, and I went to nursing school instead so that my partner could go to college, um, which never happened. <laughs> but uh, So I was a nurse, and I was a mom, and I was his wife. And I never really knew who I was or who I was supposed to be. So I went searching. You know, I searched 
<laughs> for a new job. I searched, I, I thought about, you know, moving to a new house. I thought about all kinds of things. Um, I dated a lot, all the wrong kind of guys. Mm -hmm. Ended up with a man who was very wildly, vastly different than him. Um, and then I actually became um, sick and I lost my job due to my own health. So I got diagnosed with a series of autoimmune diseases. Mm -hmm. Um, while I was with this, the, what I, who I call the in-between guy, the boy, the one boyfriend between my two, between my two husbands. Um, and during that time, um, I, like I said, I got diagnosed with a series of autoimmune disorders. I broke my back. Mm -hmm. I got pregnant with a Mirena in, in place, miscarried that child mm -hmm. alone without that mm -hmm. man there, the hospital. Um, and then got diagnosed with uh, cervical cancer oh, all wow. within about a year's period of time. Yeah. Um, right after my divorce, I'd actually gone and gotten gastric bypass surgery as well. So I'd lost a ton of weight. Um, and that was a very, very trying period of time mm -hmm. as well. So that whole kind of year was wrapped up in major mm -hmm. health problems, you know, depression, anxiety started to build and build. And so not only had I then lost my husband and my best friend and partner and all of that, I had lost my health mm -hmm. and I had lost the only job that ever gave me any kind of um, validation mm -hmm. because when I walked through the doors of the OR, Amy was a badass. I knew what the hell was going on and people came to me to ask questions. It's the only place I probably felt valued for many years. Mm -hmm. And when I lost that and my health declined to the point I was in a wheelchair mm -hmm. and that guy just couldn't hack it anymore because I wasn't bringing in my nurse salary and we split up, I found myself living back at home with my parents mm -hmm. in a wheelchair. That's hard. It was really tough. Yeah. So, uh, you know, what it took to come from point A to Z, I say a lot of times, Sometimes I feel like I don't know how to help others through that because it was such a meandering road. Um, but when I finally found myself distanced from everyone in my life is when I really kind of hit rock bottom mm -hmm. and started looking for who I was. Mm -hmm. And I thought I was going to find it in the bottom of a bottle. <laughs> that didn't work out so well. Uh, and I didn't know where to find it, but slowly, step by step, thanks to really the echoing voice of my grandmother in my head, just keep going, just keep going. You just, you gotta just keep going one foot in front of the other. And some days that looked like getting up and making a piece of toast to feed myself because I wasn't doing that. Yeah. Some days it looked like, you know, just checking the mail, but Putting one foot in front of the other is what really ultimately got me through. Yeah, that's a lot of heavy. That's a lot of mourning several areas of your life all at once. Besides your parents, did you feel like you had anybody else like cheering you on? Obviously, your grandmother was a great spirit that was cheering you on. But did you feel like nobody understood or there was no one to relate to or comfort oh, sure. you or any of that. Oh, for sure. Like no one in the other, the other side of that is that really there are very few divorces in my family. My mm -hmm. parents have been married for 40 years and um, the only couple, the, the only people they've ever been with. Um, so 
my grandmother is a divorcee. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she, and she's not remarried to this day. She's 80 years old and she's very much independent <laughs> woman. And so, yeah, kind of the, the voice, her voice, of course. And I had an aunt who'd experienced a very sudden death of my uncle mm. and she and I actually were able to share quite a bit through that. Um, because it felt like a person, it felt like my ex had died, mm-hmm. except it was almost worse because he was still there and I still had to be co-parents with him. And I was so angry. Mm -hmm. God, I was so angry. It got to the point at one time and I can say all this, thank God, because I'm triumphantly standing on the other side of all of this mess. But there was one point, um, you know, I found out that he was gay only because I asked him a question. I said, have you ever thought about, maybe being with a man, with another man instead of a woman. We were in the car, and he just stayed silent for miles. And then he pulled off the side of the road, and he started crying. And so then I knew, because this person Mm -hmm. had been my best friend since Mm -hmm. age 12. And so I wasn't even angry at that moment. I slipped over into the driver's side seat, sat on his lap, and held his big old crying head. Mm -hmm. And we mourned together because we knew it was the beginning of the end. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, like I said, that wasn't my story to tell. So yes, I felt very alone. I couldn't even tell people why we were Mm -hmm. separating. Yeah. Why we were getting a divorce. People thought maybe it's because I had been losing some weight and I was feeling myself or, you know, we just kind of grew apart, but really it was so much deeper than that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have anyone to tell, and nobody understood. And mm-hmm. it, it got to the point where I had distanced myself from my entire family so that no one could even understand because I wanted to be away and alone and hide mm-hmm. from something I didn't know how to get over. Right. He stood in front of me, and I screamed, How dare you lie to me for so long? How dare you rape me out of my two children? I mean, I said those words. They were so wrong looking back. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that's hardest for people in divorce is accepting our responsibility in that. Mm -hmm. And I felt truly at the beginning that I had a zero responsibility in this. How could I possibly? Mm -hmm. You wouldn't believe, Stephanie, you wouldn't believe the number of people who thought it was okay to say, huh, turned him gay, did you? Oh. Like, holy shit, really? Yeah. Wow, thanks. Mm -hmm. I'm already feeling completely inferior as a woman Mm -hmm. whose husband, quote unquote, turned gay on her. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the running joke. But and even even so many people that found that that we told eventually that learned would say, oh, my God, how hard for him. How hard for him to have had to live with that secret for so long. And here I am standing, mm-hmm. feeling so naked, mm-hmm. saying, yeah, how dare him mm-hmm. hide that? You're right. How dare him hide that from me? Mm-hmm. Because he knew the whole time. He knew. And he was so morally, ethically, religiously conflicted mm-hmm. with himself yeah. due to lack of awareness in the 90s. Right. <laughs> due to lack of support and resources for our LGBTQ community Mm -hmm. in the 90s, he was also lost. Mm -hmm. And so it was something that we were trying to navigate together alone. At first, we were really friendly and talking about who we were dating, and Mm -hmm. then we were angry, and then we were friendly again, and then we were upset again. 
And nobody understood either side's Mm -hmm. role to play. Mm -hmm. But I had a role to play. I did. He was my very best friend. I knew him better than anyone. Still do (laughs) to this day, (laughs) he would say. But trying to come to terms with the fact that I, I had inklings, there were signs, we had, you know, communication issues. There were issues in the bedroom, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very lucky and blessed to have the two boys I have. Mm-hmm. But I had a role to play. And I could have navigated things better throughout our marriage. I could have navigated things better throughout our divorce. But ultimately, like I said, we're both on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. I'm remarried now. And us three, we, we got called a tripod of parenting the other day uh, because we really are. We've just graduated our oldest boy, Brady, mm-hmm. and Anderson is about to enter high school. And we completely and totally successfully navigate parenting those boys like an absolute team. Mm-hmm. And it's That's taken awesome. a lot to get there. Yeah. So what did you learn about your divorce process that you think might be helpful for others that are going through just the business of divorce, not necessarily the same situation, but just navigating that divorce process. Okay. Well, first of all, this is funny because <laughs> I had no idea. Um, you can't have the same attorney. <laughs> well, I didn't know this. And it, what was funny is it, he and I, my ex and I went down together. We, we looked up, you know, we looked up some attorneys like, okay, well, let's pick one. And we go and show up to her office together. And she <laughs> says, well, who, who am I representing? And we're like, well, us, we want a divorce. We, <laughs> we still love each other. And we just want to, you know, get this custody agreement thing mm-hmm. in place and whatever, just lay out the rules of this. It's happening. And she's like, all right, well, I have to represent one of you. And the other one doesn't have to get a, an attorney, but I can only have one of your names on the paper. So that was kind of a funny, <laughs> a funny part of having to navigate it. Um, other than that, um, now, you know, just like I said, learning your role to play Mm. and learning that no amount of working on your relationship, whether you're pre-divorce in the middle of the divorce or post-divorce is going to be successful until you yourself Mm -hmm. are whole. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to tell you to get there because it's a long and meandering, winding road. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you that if you stop, you won't get there. Mm -hmm. If you retreat from family and friends that really do support you. Now, there's a time and place to retreat from people and places and things. But ultimately, it's us. Mm -hmm. If we're seeing patterns in our life, we can see, okay, what's the common denominator here? Oh, yeah, that's me. I'm having failed relationship after relationship after relationship. Mm -hmm. I don't get along with any one of my kids. What's the common denominator? Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, it's me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Personal responsibility. Yes. Yes. And even even when it seems like there's nothing, well, he cheated on me. Mm -hmm. Okay. That was wrong. He made a terrible choice. But why? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying, you know, that maybe, you know, maybe you need to, do any number of things, but it's still, we have a responsibility in that. I could pull out of this podcast studio today and get rear-ended by a car that was speeding, 
And even though it wasn't my fault, I'm still going to have responsibility. I'm going to have to call my insurance agent. I'm going to have to file a claim. I, you know, even I could have left five minutes sooner, five minutes later. Mm-hmm. I could have watched a little closer, not been adjusting my mirror. I have a responsibility mm-hmm. to play and to how to hold with that mm-hmm. situation. It's not always easy for us all to admit or want to look into or if we don't take the time to stop and do that self-reflection because we're just so busy going and going and going and it's so much easier to place blame on anybody and everybody else. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yes. A hundred percent. I played the victim for so long Mm -hmm. in my divorce. I played the, oh my gosh, he lied to me. He was really gay. I can't believe he stayed married to me for so long. He knew walking down the aisle, Mm -hmm. looking at me, that he was doing just what he thought he was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I played the the blame game and the victimhood mentality. And I mean, it took me hours and years of therapy and counseling and self-discovery and reflection and meditation and prayer and soul searching and mm-hmm. gut wrenching admissions of mm-hmm. guilt and admissions of places that I could have done better. Right to get to the place that we are all at now. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's hard. Girl, I get it. It's freaking hard. You want to point that finger and place that blame. But there's responsibility in every part of our life. Mm -hmm. And, like, you're right. When we don't take out time to think, schedule time to think. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Schedule time to not think. Mm -hmm. You know, discovering who you are and what's important to you is, is so important I, I've, we say, we hear, I hear all the time people say, oh, you know, and I thought, I thought my life was over when, mm. when I found out, you know, at 26, 27, I found out and I'm like, oh my God, my life is over. Yeah. This was my plan. Yeah. I was supposed to grow up, marry my high school sweetheart, have a couple of kids, be a nurse, minister to people and boom, boom, boom like this. My marriage was gone. My best friend was gone. Mm-hmm. My health was gone. My career was gone and mm-hmm. I'm in my twenties. And it wasn't until, honestly, the past couple of years that I've been able to, through coaching and business and meeting other people and getting out of my shell and digging deep into my soul to find out what is my infinite purpose? Mm -hmm. Why am I on this planet? Mm -hmm. And I know that now. I know that I was put on this planet to share the story So that people can see there is hope Mm -hmm. beyond our human failure. There is hope beyond my marriage to a gay man. Mm -hmm. There is hope beyond my addiction and alcohol that I use to fuel my depression. There is hope beyond mental illness. Mm -hmm. There is hope beyond holding a handful of pills time and time and time again wanting to swallow them. Mm -hmm. Because you think your kids are truly better off without you. Mm -hmm. And I've been there. And now that I understand that my infinite purpose is to share that hope with others... I can recognize that my marriage was a was a finite project and my children are a finite project. Mm -hmm. I'm losing them. Stephanie, they're growing up. Oh, yeah. That's a whole nother. That's a whole nother mourning (laughs) process. And even though I know they're always going to need me, me being a mother to Mm -hmm. young children was a finite project. Mm -hmm. Me being a nurse was a finite project. Mm -hmm. Me owning a digital marketing agency. I know even though I hope and, and wish and project all the success over the next decade or so, I understand it's a finite project mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. 
And so as long as I have my eyes focused on that infinite purpose Mm -hmm. that I'm living to serve other people and bring them hope and purpose to their lives, because I've seen it possible and I'm standing on the other side of a burning freaking country, it seems like, Mm -hmm. that they can have that too. Yes. Amen. Preach it, sister. Mm. Yes. Yes. Knowing that purpose is what our energy comes from when we go through those seasons of just hit after hit after hit. When we don't have that purpose, it's like nothing is pulling us forward and we're just sinking and we're just stuck. And I think a lot of people walk around just feeling stuck. And what what is the reason? Why am I here? It's such a big question I feel like we all have. And if we're not taking the time to stop and explore that, if we don't have a community around us that can speak the truth and love and help us discover that. Like, we can't figure these things out on our own. You had a whole team of people Mm -hmm. that helped walk you through that and helped you heal. Yes, And that's what it's about is we need one another to heal. And so I think that's, I mean, you have a huge, beautiful story that has come out of your ashes. (laughs) (laughs) I really appreciate you sharing all of that with us because I can just hear the passion coming out of your, your experience and what you've gone through. So, so beautiful. So let's talk a little bit about how you figured out how to blend your family and co-parent and (laughs) (laughs) what advice do you have for that? Because I feel like that's just another tricky area. It is. And, you know, I I hear stories all the time of the the awful, crazy ex that just won't cooperate. And and I hate it so much. Mm -hmm. But being really intentional about the outcomes that you want Mm -hmm. and being less selfish for one is really has been the key for us leaning on one another Mm -hmm. when, when times are hard, Mm -hmm. when I was in the depths of my depression, my boys went to live with their dad full time for several months Mm -hmm. because I couldn't care for them, you know, and there's been times over the years that, we've been able to push and pull, but we're always pulling in the same direction Mm -hmm. for our kids. Mm -hmm. And if you can lay down, listen, if I can lay down the fact that he left me (laughs) for not even a man, didn't even have a relationship, just the other sex. I mean, surely we can lay down our differences. Mm -hmm. At one point we loved that person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we have to remember that at some point we loved that person. Mm -hmm. Our children were made out of love Mm -hmm. and we have, it is our responsibility comes that word again, our personal responsibility Mm -hmm. to foster that relationship through to the end. Mm -hmm. You are in it with that person, with that Mm ex-spouse until the end of at least until graduation. And I would hope to God you can keep it together to sit at graduation and sit at those marriages and and Mm -hmm. enjoy your grandchildren together because the pettiness is not worth it. Right. It's about what's best for the kids. It's that it's about reflecting on the legacy that you want to leave and all of those little decisions that you make, those little interactions, whether you, you come out salty with mm-hmm. <laughs> with each other or mm-hmm. if you're going to come out sweet and put it all behind you to put the kids as the priority and show them what it looks like to have grace and forgiveness mm-hmm. because we're all walking around here just imperfect. We're right. all doing the best that we can mm-hmm. with what we have. And so I think that's a huge testimony to love your kids is a way of loving your kids by mm-hmm. still getting along with their other parents. It is. And and the bottom line is it I understand. 
I promise you, I understand how hard it is not to be like that piece of <laughs> that. He won't pay his child support. He's never there. Mm-hmm. Whatever the complaint is, I totally understand the feeling that you need to gripe mm-hmm. about the ex or about the situation to your child is not the place to do it. And here's why it's not because you don't need to get it out, get it out to your girlfriend, get yeah. it out to your best friend, mm-hmm. get it out to your pastor, your counselor, your therapist, the moon, whatever mm-hmm. you've got to get that out to then get yourself straight because your kid is going to know yes. those kids grow up. Yes. And I'm speaking from experience. I have three grown stepdaughters and three grandchildren through my now husband and two teenage boys through, you know, my mm-hmm. first marriage. And these kids are getting older and mm-hmm. they recognize mm-hmm. and they can see things for what they are. Yes. They start as they get older, they start taking responsibility for their own relationships and seeing where the weak points mm-hmm. were. So it's not your job to call them out to those kids. They're right. gonna know eventually who was there, right. who was supported them, and who bore the weight of mm-hmm. that that privilege mm-hmm. of raising them. They don't need the reinforcement of neg- mm. negativity. And parent alienation is so damaging, and it will come back to bite you in the ass. Every time. Every time. Every single time. And you don't know. Uh, there were times that I was ordering my ex-husband out of my house. How dare you rape me? I mean, it was awful. I was being very mean, mm-hmm. saying awful things to him. And now, I mean, oh, my gosh, we're best friends again. It's You never know how that relationship's going to change, mm-hmm. and you just— you need to watch your mouth because, yeah. like you said, it will bite you in the butt every time. Mm-hmm. And the kids will know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They grow up to be very smart, intuitive <laughs> yes. individuals. Yes, they do. <laughs> um, so what is one thing that you would like for our listeners to take away? I've, I've heard the word responsibility a lot today. Um, what is something that you would like to leave with our listeners that would give them hope and courage to keep moving forward and not give up? You don't have to have it all figured out. I know that some of you may be just curled up in a fetal position in the corner of your bedroom or deep in your closet and just wondering what's next. Is there anything left for me? And I promise you that yes, there is. And you don't have to know what those next steps are. But what you do have to do is keep moving. Even if those movements are wrong, even if they start you down, you know, a path that's not going to be permanent, you have to keep moving and you have to be connected to other people. That is the bottom line because I stopped moving and I disconnected from my people, new and old, and I lost myself in a sea of depression that didn't have to be. And it's all because I didn't face it up front. Um, I hid, I ran and I hid and I buried my feelings in myself and thought Mm -hmm. I was all alone and I wallowed in self pity. And to, to come from the place of victim to victor Mm -hmm. and, you know, victim to hero, nobody remembers the victim, right? We remember the one who saved them. Mm -hmm. So get your ass up and save yourself Mm -hmm. and do it with therapy. Do it with groups. 
Do it through positive friends. Do it through relationships, through church, through whatever you have to do. But please don't hide and please don't stop, even if you feel like you're moving in the wrong direction at Mm -hmm. first. You'll find your way. Mm -hmm. If there's a way for me, there's a way for you. Yeah, absolutely. You're here for a reason. You're important and worthy, and you are lovable. Mm -hmm. I think that's one thing that people, when they're going through a divorce, they feel so unlovable Mm -hmm. and so rejected. And... um, what about those people that are supporting somebody that are going through a divorce? What advice would you give them? How can they mm. best bring dignity and respect to the divorcee? Mm. That's a really good question. Um, don't assume you know. <laughs> don't assume you know. Um, like I said, my family, they embraced my ex-husband and still do in many ways to this day. We all get along again, like I said, but he was their first boy. It was Mm -hmm. just me and my sister. And so along came this boy that they loved so much and they just knew that there was nothing in him that could ever separate him from loving me or me from loving him. And so they just assumed that me being the stronger personality was at fault Mm -hmm. and we never know. So check in, please check in on them. Don't hover, mothers. You don't need to go over and clean her house every day and cook her dinner every day and do her laundry. And if you want to do her laundry, that's great. Just schedule the time. Yeah. But encourage them, uplift them, do things for no reason. Find out what their love language is Mm -hmm. and love them in the way. Ask them. Yeah. How can I best serve you? How can I show you support? What do you need? Mm -hmm. The worst thing you can do is just pull away. That. I was going to say, if, if they say, leave me alone, mm-hmm. I would say that's the only thing. Please do not serve that need because mm-hmm. they don't need to be left alone. Right. Yeah. 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 It's not time for you to make it about you and get your feelings hurt because they're not responding or because they're ghosting you. Right. It's time for you to take responsibility to show up and continue to show up for them. Yes. Because you love them and you want to see them through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and don't, don't, oh, I don't even know. That, that's good. Just don't go away. Don't assume you know mm-hmm. and show up. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Um, I feel very honored and pr- privileged to um, be able to see how your life is blossoming and how you have taken those ashes and turned it into something very, very beautiful. And I'll be cheering you on because I know great things are still coming from you. Thank you. Uh, thank you listeners for tuning in. And until next time, just keep moving forward. Keep on moving. Yeah. For more information on services or divorce resources provided by The Divorce Life, you can follow me on Facebook or Instagram or find us at www.thedivorcelife.com. Thank you for tuning in and listening and a big thanks to my producer, Jazz, at the Possibilities Podcast Center.